Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. To our new listeners, welcome. To our old listeners, welcome back. Another episode of Magical Education awaits you. But first, we would like to say a few words. Nitwit. Blubber. Oddment. Tweak. Podcast nine and three quarters topic of the week is we need to talk about Quidditch. Hello, listeners. I'm Rhea. And I'm Jem, and it's finally happening. <laughs> Five years into the podcast, and we're finally talking about one of the most important things in the entire world building, the sport. Yeah. <laughs> one of these massive, huge, important parts of the series, relevant in six out of the seven books, and we just, like, never addressed it at all. Not once. Not I don't once. think we've even mentioned it. So I... I went to our giant Google Doc of possible episode topics and searched QU for yep. Quidditch. And I came up with two questions that we had. We've got hundreds, if not thousands, of questions about <laughs> Harry Potter. Two of them mentioned Quidditch. Number yep. one, why were muggles used to manage the attendance and security at the Quidditch World Cup? That's not about Quidditch. That's about muggles and government protocol. Two, yeah. Does Umbridge really have the power to impose slash enforce a lifetime ban on playing Quidditch? Another one that's not about Quidditch. It's about Umbridge and the separation of power between Hogwarts and the Ministry. We just straight up have no thoughts about Quidditch. (laughs) No thoughts. Head empty. It's because there's no questions. It's all there in the the book. Oh, yeah. No notes. Perfect sport. It's, we hold these truths self-evident that Quidditch makes perfect sense. Yeah, and it's it doesn't fine. need to be questioned in the slightest. <laughs> Honestly, look, my whole life, I've, in the back of my mind, I've known that Quidditch is kind of dumb, right? Like, it's yeah. like, but then I, there's a stronger part of me. I mean, inside me, there are two wolves, and the stronger <laughs> wolf knows that I don't know enough about sport to understand why Quidditch is dumb. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so I've just been like, eh. I'm just sort of neutral on the whole thing. <laughs> I guess my two wolves are, one of them's like, Quidditch is an unbalanced sport that doesn't make sense and would cause terrible injuries and just mm. is a hassle. And the other wolf is like, haha, it slaps. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. You're a fan. Yeah. I think Quidditch is good. Like as much as any sport is good, because I don't care about sports at all. <laughs> I think it's very funny that yeah. like... A wizard pastime is just watching children nearly kill each other at great heights. Yeah. I think that's pretty good, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> oh, well. Okay. <laughs> Should we go into, like, what Quidditch is? I've got a lot on, like, what Quidditch is, how it's played, the rules, like, some of the basics of Quidditch that we should talk about. Yeah, I've got uh, a quote for what Quidditch is to All start right. with. Quote, it's the most popular sport in the magical world, and quote, I just don't believe it. Um, 
I just think that there's other things that might be more popular or should be more popular. Can you list them? Because, like, as far as I'm aware, it's the only sport in the magical yeah. world. Okay, well, here's where we get into my mini thesis, which All is right. I've invented a magical sport, which I think is more exciting than Quidditch. <laughs> okay, wow. <laughs> do you want to save that for later in the episode, or do you want to open with Jem's got a better idea than Quidditch? <laughs> Fuck Quidditch, actually. <laughs> I think it's funny if, like, before we even start talking about Quidditch, I'm trying to pitch this idea like a greasy salesman or something. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay, fine. I think Quidditch is pretty good. <laughs> Sell me on your crappy sport. So imagine if you will ping pong, right? Yeah. But there's one player. And they have to apparate from each side of the table <laughs> before the ball goes out of bounds. And they have to keep hitting it. And... Whoever stays on the table long enough hitting the ball back and forth is the winner. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean whoever stays? There's only one player. Yeah, it's like an Olympic sport. It's like, you know, it's it's me- the the gold medalist is the one that's the longest. Okay, like you know? the shortest time in like a league or something. No, no, because you want to be doing it for the longest amount of time. Before oh, sorry, you the longest yourself. time. Yeah, before you splint yourself or you miss it or whatever. Mm-hmm. It sounds exhausting. <laughs> but entertaining. <laughs> also, no children can play. Yeah. Why would I want to see an amateur play this? <laughs> Only adults. Okay. It sounds fine. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's better than Quidditch. Well, let's test it, I guess. Let's talk about Quidditch and then weigh it up against my sport, unnamed, and decide which Jumpy one is ball. better. <laughs> Jumpy ball? Nah, I, I think we can do better than that. Yeah, of course. I'm the one who offers a terrible name for something, and then you swoop in with a good name. That's our established dynamic. Apparating on? Apparating ping pong? Something like that. That was terrible. Jumpy ball's yeah. better. Jumpy ball's better. We'll go with jumpy balls. <laughs> Halfway through the episode, you'll just say a random word, and we'll be like, oh, it's perfect. <laughs> sure. Pop pong. Anyway. Let's continue with stuff about... Ping pop. Ping pop. Hey, that's pretty good, actually. I've done it. Wow. It's like ring pop, but... But ping pop. Ping pop. Yeah, I see what you did. Um, That's actually great. So Quidditch, you score 10 points per goal and 150 for catching a snitch. The team with the most points wins. Okay. I love how you've started with the scoring system instead of explaining, like, the balls or the brooms or anything. Oh, the players. On. This is an amateur hour. We know what the balls are. Okay. <laughs> we know that they're up on brooms and the goalposts are, like, 60 feet high or whatever it is. Google Quidditch if you don't know what Quidditch is. We don't have time to explain <laughs> it, apparently. We've got too much to cover. We don't have time to go, like, oh, yeah, they're flying around and they've got to shoot some hoops or whatever. Like, we understand the premise, right? Yeah. Yeah. Alright. Okay. If you, catch, if you catch a snitch, you end the game. And all the game can be ended when both captains agree that the game should end. Yeah, that's interesting. Because the longest game on record has gone for six months, mm-hmm. according to Quidditch Through the Ages. Six months. That's a long time. <laughs> yeah, that's really long. Mm-hmm. Just today, my boss asked me to... Um, let her know of my potential leave for the next six months. And I was like, wow, that's like six months away. I don't know what I'll be doing. Yeah. <laughs> imagine being playing, like imagine playing a sport 
that whole time. Like, you'd have time to rest, but you wake up and you're back at the sport again. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm very interested in, like, what was going on in the lives of those players, and particularly yeah. the two captains. The two captains who could at any moment decide <laughs> to end this didn't for six months. Imagine missing your baby's first steps because you were playing Quidditch for six months. What I was thinking is maybe what happened is, okay, so the the uh, captain of one of the teams was also the seeker. And early in the game, that captain took a fucking bludger to the brain and couldn't play anymore because there's no substitution. So if a player goes down... That's mm. it. You can't sub in somebody else. You're just down that player, which is something that I think is really interesting and I want to circle back to. So because the keeper was gone and one of the seekers was gone, if the other seeker is just bad at their job, then the game doesn't end and there's not two captains. So you can't decide to make the game end. So it just dragged on and on and on and on and on because nobody had the authority to end it or ability to end it. Someone should have that authority. Well, the captains. <laughs> like, like the referee. Yeah. Like, some sort of person outside of the situation. Someone objective from the situation. A neutral third like, party. This needs to stop. <laughs> like, <laughs> come on. Six months. No. Six months. Uh, Try to think about the last time that I did something consistently every day for six months. I can't think of a single thing no unless if we're discounting like you know eating and sleeping and bathing the basics like there's nothing that i've wanted to do consistently for six months every single day that's just (laughs) never happened in my life yeah and i'm trying to think of anything like i don't know like exercise like 20 minutes of exercise or like Mm. writing like very menial tasks this is six months of like going up into the fucking air on a piece of wood and trying to throw a ball or dodge a ball or catch a ball, <laughs> like, in rain and shine, <laughs> in the dark, in the cold. <laughs> There's something about... Right, okay. So I have the official rules of Quidditch. There are yeah. only eight official rules. I can go through yeah. them all now, but I just want to talk about one of them. Sure. So one of them is timeout. Timeout may be mm-hmm. called at any time by the captain of a team. Timeout may be extended to two hours if a game has already lasted for more than 12 hours. Failure to return to, to return to the pitch after this time will lead to the team being disqualified. Oh, yeah. I would simply mutiny. Yeah, if so... I've been there for, like, more than two days, I think I would quit. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Mm, bye. <laughs> I think once we get into 24 hours, like, do you remember the time that we went to that charity event where basically you walk around Mm. an oval relay for life relay for life constantly for like 24 hours and you do it in teams so that somebody is always walking for your team but like people can sleep and shit yeah i think i was done with that by like six hours i'm like i hate this i don't want to be here anymore this is terrible (laughs) i hate raising money for cancer (laughs) i'm trying to imagine that i'm like a professional athlete though right Mm. so i have passion for this but then again, like, I don't know, 48 hours, too long, you know, I need to go home. Yeah. I clock off. I got to clock off. <laughs> like, I can't be working that long. But you just can't. Mm. Obviously, yeah. it's impossible. Yeah. I'm not built for it, clearly. But yeah, so this, so timeout can be called at any time by the captain. Yeah, And you can have insane. it up to two hours. 
Imagine, like, the opposing team seeker is going for the snitch, like, inches away, and you're the captain, and you're like, time out. <laughs> that's a great strategy. Like, that's an insane thing. Surely yeah. there must be some rule. But no, there isn't, because I can see all eight rules written in front of me. Yeah. There isn't let's go some through rule the rules. stating... Yeah, fucking let's go. All right. Let's talk um, about the rules. Do you want to do one. them one at a time if you've got them? Yeah. Number one, players must not stray over the boundary lines of the pitch, although they may fly as high as desired. I'm already <laughs> afraid. The quaffle must be surrendered to the opposition if any player leaves the boundary. It is unknown what the penalty is if a player on defense leaves the pitch. Cool. So if you don't have the quaffle, you can just leave the pitch without any penalty because the quaffle can't be taken away from you. Also, fly as high as desired is great. Go to the fucking moon as long as it's directly above the pitch. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It's also very interesting because, like, the snitch is apparently enchanted so that it stays within the boundaries of the pitch. Mm. But if it can go as high as you want, then there's, like, potentially infinite space that it could be in as long as you can still breathe. But the snitch doesn't need to breathe. Right. I don't think the snitch can go that high. I think that it's implied the players can go as high as they like. Okay. Because I think in the history of the snitch, back when it was a bird, the snidget, the golden snidget, mm-hmm. they would have the um, the crowd cast shielding charms yeah. to, like, keep the snitch, the snidget, like, barred inside the pitch. So I think it's, it implies to me it's like a dome. I don't think the snitch can go as high as a certain point. Okay. All right. Well, that's fine then. I mean, I hope so. Otherwise, yeah. <laughs> fuck. Rule two is about timeout. Yeah. I'll skip to rule three. Penalties can be awarded to teams by the referee. A single chaser may take the penalty by flying from the central circle towards the scoring area. The opposing team's keeper may attempt to stop the shot being scored, but all other players must not interfere. It is unknown if the seeker may still attempt to catch the snitch while a penalty is being attempted. Also, what about bludgers? That's not part of the rule. That's just my question here. Mm, right, yeah. Do the bludgers stop while a penalty is being done? Or is it like the other players have to deal with the bludgers while the chaser takes the penalty shot? My idea is that the other, the other people have to still deal with the bludgers. It's not like they can just stop. It just says that they have to not get in the way of the person doing the penalty. Yeah. So as long as they're flying around the other end of the pitch, dodging bludgers, I don't really see that as much of a problem. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, the play doesn't stop, you know? Like, I think the beaters Mm. and the seekers are still doing their job. It's just that the chasers and the keeper who isn't involved in this has to sort of step back for a minute until the quaffle's out of play again. Yeah. Or back in play, I should say. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, number four. Contact is allowed, but a player may not seize hold of another player's broomstick or any part of their anatomy. All right, so you can sock a guy in the face. You can punch him in the face, but you can't grab his face. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I interpreted from that, right? Yeah, yeah. That's insane. Well, like, we <laughs> see that with, like, chasers and stuff. Like, they fly alongside each other and, like, elbow each other in the yeah. ribs and try and get them to drop the ball. It's a contact sport. Yeah. Like, tackles are allowed in... Oh, whoa. Watch watch whoa. me try and think of a game where tackles are allowed. Rugby? Footy? Football? Is there a difference between those two words I just there said? Or are is, they the same game? I think. Who? Rugby is the English one. Foot, thought... Footy is the Australian one. Oh, God. I thought rugby was Australian. Okay. No. 
maybe. <laughs> there's just, there's no way to tell. Like, there's how no would way. we, how could anyone expect us to know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so, like, yeah, it's a contact sport, but it's just very funny. Mm. Like, because contact sport, when I think of that, I think of footy. <laughs> and it's like... Or rugby. <laughs> or rugby. <laughs> and what I assume coming from someone who's never watched the sport is that like you know you can run and if you happen to run into someone or like you know you can tackle someone sure but like you can't just <laughs> you can't just punch a guy in the face <laughs> like surely right surely that's a red card or that's like not allowed <laughs> but i don't know because there are sports where you can punch a guy like boxing <laughs> yeah yeah but that's not that's not the same like quidditch is kind of like a mix between basketball and footy <laughs> or rugby <laughs> one of those ones like over dramatic fetch right it's, yeah. it's like a mix yeah so um <laughs> but like yeah i just think because obviously a contact sport usually means like you can tackle but they're in midair so they can't tackle them because they would just fall to their death so the alternative that rolling has given us is you can slap someone kick them <laughs> punch them in the face knock a few teeth out but you can't grab a hold of them <laughs> yeah you can't tackle them and you can't <laughs> grab grab their broomstick i think is the key thing here yeah because i is think played by children this is yeah played by children across this the is played by children and i think our <laughs> view of the game is skewed by the fact that we only really see children play we only see one yeah. game that isn't played by children and also we're mostly seeing things from the perspective of the Gryffindor team where all of the players are exceptionally good at their jobs. I think mm. that really skews our perspective of Quidditch, but I'll get into that more <laughs> here. Here's my favorite rule. Number five. Oh yeah. No substitution of players is allowed throughout the game. Even if a player is too injured or tired to continue to play. <laughs> <laughs> Although it does say in the Goblet of Fire that during Quidditch World Cup, when it lasts for days, players have to be switched out so they can get some sleep. So maybe there's different rules for the Quidditch World mm. Cup. But in general, you can't substitute yeah. a player. There's Quidditch World Cup rules and street rules. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Wow. <laughs> I would imagine that's because the Quidditch World Cup, or like games that are in the World Cup, not the actual final, like because so many people buy tickets and go into attendance, like yeah. society would grind to a halt if... No, actually, that doesn't matter because... This, like, they are allowed substitutions lets the game go for longer and longer and longer. Hmm. Mm. Never mind. I don't know why there's that rule. I think probably that's just, like, a mistake. <laughs> I don't know. I think the rule is no substitutions and, like, JK either forgot that she wrote that thing about players being switched out or, like, she decided no substitutions later and it just it contradicts each other. The rule is there's no substitutions because when Harry gets injured, like, Gryffindor loses mm-hmm. the match. <laughs> And when Harry's not injured and he's able to play, Gryffindor wins every time. And that's that's the way the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Look, I think the... we Okay, we can try and logic this. I guess in the Quidditch World Cup, because these are like... This is like the international fucking... What's it called? Let me look it up. International... Don't ask me for a sport name. Federation of Wizards Quidditch Committee, oh. right? They're responsible for organizing the World Cup. I guess. Cup. So it's like the IOC, International Olympic Committee. So I'm guessing, like, this is, like, a big event. It's, like, maybe once every couple mm-hmm. of years, maybe once a decade. They're not. They're going to be pretty disappointed if in the first 20 minutes the, the beaters both fucking get 
bludgers to the heads and are knocked out and one team's at a severe disadvantage. <laughs> people have been preparing for this for years. I think they're just going to substitute people out if people get the critical. But we injured. see that happen. Also, it's like their job. Yeah. Yeah. What? So <laughs> in the Quidditch World Cup that we see with Crum, the Irish yeah. seeker, who's Crum's on the Bulgarian team, the Irish seeker gets like a bludger to the face or something like that. Or, no, it's the Ronsky faint or whatever it is. He crashes into the ground and gets severely injured. And then for the rest of the game, he's, like, disorientated and he has no idea what's going on and, like, he can barely fly. Obviously, if they were allowed substitutions, they would have switched somebody in for him because he effectively can't play. Uh, No, you're forgetting one simple fact. Yeah. Is that wizards are dumb. Yeah, I know. And durable. (laughs) And durable. So if he had a fallen off his broom and was not able to get back on that broom, they would have substituted him. But the fact that he was able to stay on his broom, even though he probably had a concussion <laughs> and maybe several broken ribs. Definitely a broken nose. He was nose. still able to play. <laughs> he was still able to play, so they left him on the field. I guess. That seems like a <laughs> bad strategy, like, but all right. If he was out, if he was incapacitated, they probably would have swapped him out with someone else. Okay. Um, I just think... This whole idea of, like, games can last for days or weeks or months and we don't substitute players, that makes sense because, and by makes sense, I mean doesn't make sense, but does make sense in context (laughs) of Wizards. It makes sense because, so Madame Pomfrey can fix broken bones in minutes. Mm -hmm. So you're playing in the Quidditch game. Let's say you're the Seeker. As a great strategy, the other team immediately break your arm with a bludger so you can't catch the snitch. You're, like... Your, um, whatever it is. What's the fucking... Captain? Captain. Your captain calls a timeout. You go down to the ground and you have your arm magically healed within minutes. Then you're back in the game again. Yeah. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) It's all good. It's all all good. It just so happens that when Harry gets injured, he he's a little baby and he gets yeah. injured. <laughs> or like I don't know, you cop a blood to the head and you're unconscious for 24 hours. It's like, well, your team just has to play without you for 24 hours, and if they're really good, they'll try and maintain a lead. <laughs> and then when you wake up, you go back in. <laughs> Took a blood to the head. Woke up in hospital a week later. <laughs> Man, all right, rule number six. <laughs> Players may take their wands onto the pitch, but they must not be used on or against any players, any players' broomsticks, the referee, <laughs> any of the four balls, or the spectators. Hey, um, yeah. you know what's good about sports is when you, the players are allowed to have guns on the field. Exactly. <laughs> For no reason. Not like It's not part of the sport, and it's not like they, no. they'll need it during the sport, and it's not like they're allowed to use it anyway, but they can just have the gun. <laughs> on them it's while they're playing because... fucking I don't know eye sledding or whatever <laughs> it's literally because wizards can't function without their wands like they're helpless without them I think it's more I think it's not that I think it's an ego thing I think people don't want to put their wands away even for a second they exactly like, they want to have their wands on them at all times because they're oh so precious wands are so special I would be like yeah because they can't function without their wands <laughs> they can't imagine not having their wands on them at all I times mean, my logic would be like oh my arm's going to get broken in the first 20 minutes. I don't want my wand <laughs> in my sleeve to get broken as well. Maybe I'll leave this with a trusted friend while I go play Quidditch. I absolutely want my wand on me. <laughs> why? You can't use There's it. There's so many reasons why. <laughs> I can't use it to cheat at the game, but I can use it to help How? me. Let's say I, <laughs> if I fall off my broom, arrest her momentum, stop myself from dying. <laughs> 
Yeah. Or like the time when there's a massive rainstorm and Harry can't see and Hermione's like, oh, here's a spell so that you can see in the rain. Like, if Harry had known that spell, he could have cast it on himself. <laughs> or maybe a fucking dragon flies onto the pitch and I want my wand to help me. Yeah, alright, maybe. <laughs> I just... Maybe I've been... Maybe the game's been going for six straight hours and I'm dying of thirst and I would like some fucking water. Mm. I can get it with my wand. Yeah, look, if it was going for six hours, in the next time out, I would simply just not come back after Please. two hours. You know? <laughs> get up the pub. Change my name. Disappear. <laughs> yep. I'm not coming back. I simply just wouldn't play Quidditch if I was living in this universe. It seems like a fucking nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> Like, sport is bad but... enough. Like, okay, so, like, we've never been athletic girls. I've, I, I don't no. mind getting a bit of exercise. <laughs> I don't mind having a bit of fun. But I've never, like, been a girl that played sport consistently, right? Because mm-hmm. the sports available to me were bad enough, right? There was enough downsides. <laughs> there was enough cons that I couldn't fill up enough pros in the other column to make me want to do this sport consistently. Imagine if this is, like, the most popular sport. <laughs> this. Yeah. Quidditch. Fucking death like, ball. it's just the worst. I can't, like, it just sounds like a fucking terrible time. <laughs> Tell yeah. me one good thing about doing the sport. <laughs> it's great to watch. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. That's the best thing about Entertaining it. Entertaining to watch. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> On the subject of what if a sport but all the players had guns... Yeah. Someone... I don't have a source on this because I would have read this, like, upwards of ten years ago. But someone once made the point, like, imagine the Super Bowl or, like... I don't know. Some other massive, like, World Series final cup. I don't know. <laughs> Pick a sport. Anything like that. Uh, Australian Open. I don't know. Some game. <laughs> In the muggle world, when, like, their teams win or lose, oh, yeah. the audience goes out into the street and, like, has a riot. Yeah. Imagine any game like that where, like, tensions are that high. People are that either excited or furious. I don't know. Yeah. And every single person in the spec in the crowd, every single spectator has a gun with them. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I can't believe that every single Quidditch game doesn't end in a massacre. Yeah. You know, I'm surprised it isn't covered in Quidditch Through the Ages. Quidditch Through the Ages talks about like the games that like are terrible and fucked up. But they don't talk about the spectators. Yeah. Much. They don't talk about the because like Quidditch, as we've established, is the magical world's most popular sport. Mm-hmm. Everyone and their dog has something to say about Quidditch. Like, <laughs> I can't imagine that countries aren't being destabilized after <laughs> after yeah. a Quidditch match. Like, like there's there's lots of stuff about the players and the rules for what the players can do, and instances where the players have attacked each other and stuff. Mm. But there's nothing about the spectators. Mm. Like, crowds go nuts at sports games. <laughs> I just think J.K. Rowling didn't want to think about it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Big mood. Anyway, a game, rule number seven. A game of Quidditch will only end once the Golden Snitch has been caught or at the mutual consent of both team captains. We've already covered that one. Uh, number eight. Only the keeper can block quaffle shots thrown by the opposing team. Sure, that makes sense. That seems yeah, that's, fine. That's, that's I got job. no problem with that. That's their job. That's a clear rule. That's their entire job. That makes sense to me. Everything else makes me so... <laughs> So sad. Yeah. It's also like, so these are the eight official rules, but no, they're not. No. Because there's a ton of rules. Like, only the Seeker can catch the Snitch. Yeah. Like, that's not a rule in there, but it is a rule of the game. So this is like JK being like, oh, I'll write out the official rules, but then none <laughs> of the rules, like, explain the game or how to play it. There is something about the spectators. We've got here, 
An amendment to the rules of Quidditch in 1849 ah. determined that if a member of the crowd cast any spell on a player, their team would automatically forfeit the match, whether or not the team ordered or approved of the magic performed. It is not clear how this was enforced, though as taken literally, this rule would make it even easier to sabotage an opposing team with a false flag attack. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's insane. <laughs> yeah, that's stupid. I guess... Okay, so when it says their team... Mm-hmm. The team that they hmm. are, I guess, not targeting with a curse. Or if they're, yeah. if they're targeting them with like a advancement, like a speed spell or something, then the assumption yeah. is that they're okay. that team. So let's just say Gryffindor versus Slytherin. Sure. Let's say I, a Slytherin... No, actually, that won't work because my affiliation would be known. Let's say... Um, Ravenclaw. Yeah, okay. Ravenclaw versus Hufflepuff match. I'm a Slytherin student. Okay. I want, for some reason, Hufflepuff to win this match because that means I've got a better chance of the Quidditch Cup or whatever. I'm not on the Quidditch team at this point. I'm just a loyal member of Slytherin House. <laughs> sure. I want Hufflepuff to win. In your hypothetical, you can't even imagine you're on the Slytherin Quidditch yeah, no. team. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's simply impossible. No, that's what's not happening. <laughs> it's not realistic, in it. It's not realistic. <laughs> no, I can be a witch at a magical school, but I can't play a sport. No, no. <laughs> Let's not get crazy. <laughs> so I want Hufflepuff to win. So I cast a curse on the on somebody in the Hufflepuff team mm. so that Hufflepuff automatically wins because it seems like I am supporting Ravenclaw and trying to help Ravenclaw win. Sure. Wow, I explained that really badly. Okay. Do you understand what I'm saying? Kind of not really. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I'm a spectator in the crowd. Yeah. I want Hufflepuff to win the game. Mm-hmm. I show up to the game in like a Ravenclaw t-shirt and I'm like, oh, I'm the biggest fan of Ravenclaw team. I really want Ravenclaw to win. Look at what she's wearing. Ju- she wants Ravenclaw yeah. to win. Yeah. <laughs> I must want Ravenclaw to win. <laughs> yeah. A t-shirt that I've made myself because wizards don't have t-shirts. I'm imagining just like a blue Kmart t-shirt with Ravenclaw written on it in bad permanent marker. Yeah, I've like drawn a crappy bird or whatever. Perfect. So I'm like, oh, I really want Ravenclaw to win, blah, blah, blah. But secretly I want Hufflepuff to win. Mm. So while the game's going, it seems like Hufflepuff is going to lose. So I cast a spell on one of the members of the Hufflepuff team. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, oh, I just hate Hufflepuff so much. I really want Ravenclaw to win. Curse the Hufflepuff team. And then they're like, well, a spectator interfered in the game. They were trying to help Ravenclaw win by cursing mm-hmm. Hufflepuff. Therefore, Hufflepuff wins. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's how it works, yeah. Right. But this, again, is assuming that we live in a world without magic. <laughs> it seems like it would be relatively easy for them, if they know that I've cast a spell on the Quidditch team, like if they can tell that automatically, then they must be able to grab me out of the crowd and use magic to interrogate me and like unravel this whole plan. Yeah. Like surely they can force me to take Veritas Serum or like use, you know, um, what's it called where you look in someone's brain? Yeah. Legimacy. Legimacy. Le- yeah. Legimacy, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. They could do that. <laughs> yeah. But that's against so- the rules. <laughs> when it says their team i think it doesn't take into account which team you cast the curse on i think it takes into account which team you were trying to help and they get that information out of you using magic it's just dumb because like you're you're, all of it's you're punishing the sports team for the actions of a fan 
Like, it's not like they've... Like, unless, of course, they planted the fan there and wanted someone to do something like this. It, like, mm. this could just happen out of anyone's control. It's just Yeah, stupid. once again, what do you think would happen at, like, a basketball game, say, if, like, a random member of the crowd, like, pulled the pin on a smoke grenade and threw it into the thing? <laughs> like, does one of the teams automatically win? Or are they just like, everybody out the smoke? The Wildcats have to forfeit the match because their fan got too rowdy. <laughs> yeah, doesn't really seem like the team should be punished for that. No, it shouldn't. I feel like if the crowd interferes, it should just be like, nobody wins. We have to play again. Yeah, restart the game. Like, st- yeah. set back the like, score to zero and go again. Yeah, like how you would punish children. Yeah. Like, nobody wins until we all behave. <laughs> I don't care if we started it, I'm finishing it. <laughs> yeah. Like, we will stay here all night replaying this fucking game until you can behave, and you'll be escorted out if you keep casting spells on the players. Yeah. I want to talk about something just quickly. The uniform. Mm-hmm. Cape right. and jersey. Capes. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> there, was some, there was some rule about not grabbing people, right? You can't grab the broom. You can't grab an appendage. Is that what it said? Their body part. of their part. anatomy. Doesn't say anything about the yeah. cape. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> I just think you could grab that cape and really choke someone out. Mm-hmm. That's no good. <laughs> I also think that any time you break one of these rules, as far as I can tell, the only punishment is that you get a foul. Yeah. Which means that, like, somebody on the opposite team gets a free shot. Mm-hmm. If you are far enough ahead, mm-hmm. who cares? <laughs> get as many fouls as you want. Like, yeah. whatever. Yeah. That's the thing with Quidditch is, like, the point system doesn't really make sense. And that was intentional yes. on JK's part. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've got the quote. Oh, do you want to talk about this? Yeah. Let me find the actual okay. quote. Um, J.K. Rowling first developed Quidditch after a fight with her boyfriend at the time in a small hotel in Manchester. Some of the game's elements, such as the Golden Snitch being worth a disproportionate amount of points, were due to her state of mind at the time, as she felt these elements would be frustrating to men. That's pretty good, yeah. actually. That's, like, <laughs> that's great. I don't like to play into that's gender stereotypes, particularly those set forward by a J.K. Rowling known gender fucking monster um yeah (laughs) but i will say that in researching this episode every time i had to read like some sort of opinion piece that was like quidditch is bad and here's how to fix it it was always written by a man and they were always so furious furious that the game didn't make sense (laughs) and it's great actually which i think is great (laughs) like and um yeah i will say the point system is a bit silly but it's only if you're looking at the game as a one-off, mm. right? But if you're doing, like, it is at Hogwarts, where it's, like, a season. Yeah. So, like, you have games that go one after the other, and if you have a certain amount of points, you might be able to go against this other team. What's that called? A relay? A league? Something like that. League. That's the one. So if you've got that shit going on, then it works. Yeah. Because <laughs> maybe, maybe you, like, catch the snitch, but your team scored more points with keepering... I don't know how this works. But, like, it <laughs> it makes more sense than a sing- single it's, one-off game. It's perfectly possible to win a game but lose the House Cup. Not the House Cup, the Quidditch Cup. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because the points are part of, like, a longer-term strategy than just a single game. It's part of a, like, campaign yeah. of games that you're playing. Yeah, hmm. exactly. We see that in the series a bunch of times, especially in book three, when it's like, oh, Harry, like, 
we you can only catch the snitch if we're this many points ahead because if you catch it and we're less than this mm-hmm. many points ahead we won't get the cop we're gonna yeah. lose the cop yeah and I think that that's like especially true in something like the Quidditch World Cup you know the main competitive league that there is because it's not just about winning each individual game it's about all of the other teams in the league and how many points they won their games by yeah so say like it's you know Australia versus New Zealand or whatever like we beat New Zealand easily by a hundred, not a hundred points. Yeah, by a hundred points. That's fine. Okay. But we lose our place in the league because, I don't know, China and Italy were um, competing and China beat Italy by like 400 points and Italy was like way ahead of where we were with New Zealand. So like, it doesn't really matter. That would be an, an example of a game where it's like, oh, we could have caught the snitch within the first eight hours or whatever, but we actually needed like an extra... 300 points in order to keep yeah. our place in the league. We needed better chances. So we let the game stretch out four days yes. <laughs> until we had that much of an edge over our competition. So I think that's what AFL is, right? Australian Footy League. <laughs> that's why <laughs> That's why people do footy tipping, right? Because they're betting on which team's going to come at the top of the league at the end of the year based on how many games there are. This is a big you keep, guess. <laughs> you keep ending your sentences with like a question mark or with a right, like as if I'm going to know the answer <laughs> and jump in to help you. I need you to understand that everything that I know about sport <laughs> is learned through Quidditch. <laughs> I, I, I know more about Quidditch than I know about every single muggle sport combined. <laughs> I need you to understand that everything I know about sport is from Yuri on Ice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I also know Yuri on Ice. I just don't think it's going to be very helpful to us in this episode. Also, everything I know about sport is about my fake sport that I invented, ping pop. So oh yeah, that's right, ping would pop. Ping pop be a league, or would that be like a single game? Because to me, it seems like it's not about the points. It's not about the points. Although I think the points have come to factor. <laughs> it's about sending a message. <laughs> yeah, it's about sending. <laughs> <laughs> It's about sending a message, and that message is, you have all the power in the world at your fingertips, why do you need to compete against someone else? You should only compete against the real competitor yourself. (laughs) And that little ball, that's always just out of reach, and you have to jump through, like, fucking space and squeeze yourself into the size of a buttonhole in order to hit that ball. And I think that's athleticism. (laughs) So, look... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so the, what I don't like about ping pop <laughs> is that wow we've already got the way critics. that you <laughs> shush the way that you win in air quotes is by having the longest game yeah so like <laughs> obviously like you have to keep the ball within the barrier and stuff like that you, you can't yeah, like, yeah yeah the basics yeah. You, get, you, gotta, you keep the ball going for the longest amount of time yeah, yeah, yeah how long do you anticipate games of ping pop will go for I hope. I mean, I don't think they could go for very long because the thing is, evaporation. Three days. <laughs> Determination, deliberation, <laughs> destination. Determination. <laughs> <laughs> like, and operation is like very focused, right? You can't let your mm-hmm. mind slip. So you have to be thinking, you have to. To catch the ball, you must first think like a ball. So you have to be thinking <laughs> like the ball, but you also have to be thinking, I have to squeeze myself through space. And not chop myself in half. <laughs> uh-huh. So it's like a game. It's a game of mental focus. So I think um, 
no one's that strong. I think it would be like a very rare person who would be successful at ping pop. So um, I think that the maximum time that you might get someone going, maximum, and this is like, you know, Serena Williams level person. Yeah. This maybe is your like, world record. I was going like to ask an, you this. Like an hour? Two hours An hour. Max. Yeah. Okay. I don't think it could last that long because it's just I was so thinking more in the range of like five to six hours. Mentally, emotionally, physically draining. I don't think it could last more than two hours. Like that would be a phenomenal athlete. Okay. <laughs> All right. Because I was going to say that my criticism with ping pop is that like, I don't want to sit for 10 hours and watch someone jump back and no forth way. around a table. Yeah. I, but... don't, I, th- I don't think two hours... Like, I think that that would be incredible. Someone that can yeah. two hours. So for the non-professional players, games would be, like, in the minutes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Before someone either ends up splinched or misses the ball. See, mm-hmm. it's exciting, too, because you might get to see <laughs> someone lose half their head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We can't spend forever on fucking ping pop. Uh, let's talk about some of the Quidditch fouls. Sure. There are okay. 700 of them. Yes. 700 listed in the Department of Magical Games and Sports Records, but that list is never made public because the department said that some wizards and witches might get ideas. Amazing. (laughs) Hey, there's 700. They're treating them like children. It's like the. Oh, yeah, we're the Department of Magical Games and Sports, and the entire wizarding population are little babies that can't control themselves. (laughs) We must keep them in line. We're not going to give them any ideas. What the fuck? Here's 700 this is an things. The official department. <laughs> the official department is like, there's 700 things that you're not allowed to do during a game of Quidditch, and we're not going to tell you what they are. <laughs> Great. Once again, that's stupid if it's not wizards, but because it is wizards, I think it makes sense. <laughs> so, we have 11 common fouls. I'm not going to go through all of them, but there's stuff like. Stopping the, violently stopping the sneaker from catching the snitch, uh, grabbing the opponent's broom ta- tail, which is something yeah. that Malfoy did during a game. Excessive use of elbows is one of the fouls, so you can use your elbows, but not too much. Good to know. Not not excessive. <laughs> Flying with the intent to collide is another one. <laughs> Great. <Yeah. laughs> so, during the fourteen seventy three Quidditch World Cup, all seven hundred of these fouls were committed. So we know some of the forbidden secret fouls. Yeah. We've got to assume that some of these fouls came about because they happened during this incredibly insane game. Mm-hmm. So, some of the secret fouls. Transfiguring of a chaser into a polecat. Just a chaser. Yeah. Not, not <laughs> the other players, players is fine. <laughs> Attempted decapitation of a keeper with a broadsword. Incredible. The release of 100 blood-sucking vampire bats from under the Transylvania captain's robes during the game. Seems racist, but also cool. (laughs) (laughs) Setting fire to the opponent's broom tail. Attacking an opponent's broom with a club. Attacking an opponent with Mm. an axe. Choose your fire. It seems fair to me that these are (laughs) fouls. Okay, one question. What's a polecat? Kind of like a mountain lion. Oh, okay. Wow. Why would you want to turn your chaser into that? Surely they're better at hand-eye coordination now. (laughs) But I imagine they're probably worse at staying on the broom. Mm, I don't know. Cats are good at belting. (laughs) Yeah, a uh, cat's good at flying. Hmm. Hmm. Who's to say? <laughs> I think you control a broom largely with your knees. Hmm. Do cats have knees? They do, but I just, when I picture a cat on a broom, I imagine all four legs on the <laughs> handle, not like straddling it, like, <laughs> like I imagine how the... you fly a broom. I imagine, like, 
two of the cat's paws like hanging off the broom like hanging their baby style and the cat's like swinging around like a sloth roll and yeah. that's how it hits the quaffle into the room. it's pretty <laughs> sick actually my imagination's cool sometimes yeah oh wow uh the magical journeys i can go on within my own brain so i think okay what do you think about the department's decision to keep this list of fouls secret um yeah, I think it's dumb, but it's also very funny. Yeah, that's mostly what I'm looking for. Do you think it makes sense to keep these things hidden from the general public so they don't get ideas, or is that foolish and the entire list should just be released? <laughs> I think you should release the list. <laughs> I'm, I, I'd definitely be one of the fans, quotes, the fans of Quidditch. That's like, hashtag release the list. <laughs> like, I want to see all the possibilities, such as decapitation with a br- with, of a keeper with a broadsword. Yeah. So not like... Wow, yeah. A broadsword too. So like that person was like, Yeah, okay, I can't can't use my wand on the field, but they didn't say anything about a broadsword now, did they? Yeah, exactly. I can't curse the opposing <laughs> players, but I can use my wand to conjure up a broadsword and then just attack them. Because it's a contact sport, so I am allowed yeah. to attack them. Yeah, club and axe. Yeah. The bats is good. Yeah. Releasing a hundred blood sucking vampire bats great but like (laughs) it's stupid the way that these fouls are written obviously a foul should just be attacking the opposing players you don't have to list all the different ways that they can be attacked or like (laughs) releasing animals onto the field like he doesn't have to list the different animals and the amounts of them and just like use the terms any player or any spectator rather than chaser Keeper. Yeah, exactly. Because then it's like, okay, well, I'll just attack the the, the fucking seeker with the broadsword. Yeah. I'll just turn. <laughs> it's not against the rules. I'll just turn the beater into a polecat. <laughs> <laughs> I'll turn all of you into polecats. I'll turn every spectator into a polecat. How do you like it? Oh, you can't use your wand on a spectator. <laughs> can't you? Is that yeah? Thing? You can't use your wand on like the players, the balls, the brooms, anything like that. Uh, that's Only it. on yourself, I guess turn the fucking hoops into a polecat. I wonder if... <laughs> I think that's a better sport, actually. <laughs> so, Daedalus Diggle conjured up a meteor shower when he was excited about Voldemort being defeated. I wonder if it's a foul to change the weather during a Quidditch game. That's interesting. Maybe if they would interpret it as a foul if you were changing the weather, weather to um, like affect your team. Yeah, I'm trying, I'm struggling to think of weather that would be an advantage to one team and a disadvantage to the other team. So extreme temperatures. So the Russian team would be able to play in extreme cold, but the Australian team would not. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, we'd be used to more heat. Oh, I want to talk about the Australian teams. Oh yeah, the, um, what's it called? The Wollongong Shuffle? Yes. Okay. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's just do a quick little detour to Australia. So... There is an Australian Quidditch League, which has been yeah. dominated by two teams for the better part of a century, the Thundalara Thunderers and the Wollongong Warriors. Their rivalry is fierce and legendary among the Australian magical community. Okay. Ah, oh, this is just so great. Did you, look up, did you look up either of these teams? No, I didn't. Okay, great. The teams, there's no real information on them, but... Okay, Wollongong is a relatively large and well-known place. Like, I knew mm-hmm. Wollongong off the top of my head. It's just sort of south of yeah. Sydney. I've never been there, but they've got a population of, like, 300,000 people. 
Yeah. Thundalara, by contrast, I'd never heard of, so I looked it up. It is a tiny little nothing town in the middle of fucking Western Australia with a population of less than a thousand. So that's I love that. That's muggles. <laughs> so that means it would be less than a hundred wizards. <laughs> so I love that. There's this town with a population of less than a hundred wizards that consistently has a Quidditch team that has like dominated the World Cup up against this one rival team from this big city on the other side of the country. Straight up the opposite side of the country. I'm low-key obsessed with that. Where's that movie? Exactly. Like, fuck off (laughs) Fantastic Beasts. (laughs) Tell me about these two random towns that have been going at each other for over a hundred years. Like... What is going on? Oh I love God. it. It's great. I'm obsessed with that too because imagine if that is a movie and Thundalara, is it? Thundalara, yep. The Thundalara team is like uh, those Wollongong fuckers in the big city and then it like pans to Wollongong and it's just not a big city. No. <laughs> it's Wollongong. It's like, Wollongong. Oh, wow. 300,000 people is not a big city. <laughs> <laughs> but like Australia doesn't have big cities in the co- like other countries do. No, we have a no, tiny no. population. Our biggest city is Melbourne, and that's, like, nothing compared to but just, any other city in any, in any other country. Oh, uh, a hundred people. A thousand people in the town. There's, like, roughly 10% of the population is wizards, so a hundred wizards in this town. Rule yeah. out the elderly and children. <laughs> that's maybe, like, oh, I don't know, 30 to 40 people? Yeah. Let's say elderly children and anyone with, like, any sort of magical or physical disability, which would mean that they can't play. Or anyone just not interested in playing No, as well. people who can't play, first of all, at a competitive mm. professional level. That's wipe out yeah. 30 people. So let's say there's 70 people left in this town. <laughs> One in ten people. <laughs> One in ten people in this town are so committed to Quidditch, they want to make it their live and compete professionally in the Australian Quidditch League and it's been that way for over a hundred years that's great that's and great you think about, perfect like, what it would be like to just be a regular wizard in that town exactly is you, like all of your friends because one in ten people mm-hmm. you would know at least half the Quidditch team you would know the entire the Quidditch team ones. yeah you would just know them yeah in a town that small you would know everyone that's great <laughs> This is a town that lives and breathes Quidditch, and their greatest enemies are, like, these people on the other side of the country who they would never see, except at games, <laughs> who for some reason are also just as committed to annihilating the others in Quidditch. Very bold of, I'm assuming J.K. Rowling came up with this, or was it, like, a game designer or something? I don't know where the information came from originally. It's, I know that these two teams are one of, like, I think maybe 30 or 40 officially named teams, like canonical Quidditch teams. Right. So I've got to assume that it came from J.K. Rowling. It might have come from Quidditch through the ages. i got to respect the fact that whoever decided about this didn't just settle on, like, Sydney and Melbourne or Mm. something like that. They they went obscure, and I respect that. Yeah. (laughs) What I'm guessing is they typed in, like, Australian town names into Google and type through until they were like, oh, Thunder Lara. Oh, cool. Thunder Lara Thunderers. Great. That's a great yeah, name. And then great. they're like, Wollongong. That sounds like a weird fucking town. <laughs> Wollongong Warriors. Good enough. <laughs> sounds close enough to a Harry Potter spell. I'll put that in there. Yeah. And didn't actually look up anything about the towns. <laughs> they're like, oh, yes, their rivalry. It's been through the ages. 
I've got to say something. Mm-hmm. Um, players can choose their own brooms. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> There's not like a uniform broom, right? Exactly. That, like, everyone has to use. That's that's kind of like I kind of get it because like a broom is kind of like a wand, right? Like mm-hmm. everyone has their preferences. But oh man, it just makes me think of that thing. Like, do you remember when in the Olympics? I, I probably wasn't alive for this, but there was like a new swimsuit made, right? And it was meant to be, like, it made people go really, really fast in the water. And then, like, a bunch of athletes wore this swimsuit for an Olympics. And they did. Like, they broke all their records. And it was insane. Oh, wow. And then they they banned that swimsuit. But they didn't get rid of the records. (laughs) (laughs) Like, fuck you. Everyone's coming after you. (laughs) Yeah. Like, surely, you know, if you're going up against a team that's super rich and privileged and has Mm -hmm. access to, like, the newest firebolt that's goblin-made... Mm-hmm. and you're a team that's maybe not from such a privileged country or maybe just your personal history like you haven't been able to afford a really cool broom and you've had to learn on shit ones mm-hmm. i mean like i know that there's obviously there's disadvantages and privileges and classes and within sport and that sort of affects the game but like it's just it's just one of those things that made me think <laughs> yeah well it's definitely like it's literally a pay to win like at the yeah. lower levels the more money you have and the better broom you can afford you win. Like, a big part of the reason why Harry wins so easily is because he's got the best fucking broom of yeah, everyone in at the Hogwarts. World. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because he's, like, a rich, privileged little shit and gets the best broom brought from him by his teachers and then by his godfather. Like, yeah. Harry can be as skilled as he fucking wants on a terrible broom that goes really slowly and, like, lists off to the left and shit. Like, he's not going to be catching the snitch every time guaranteed. No, he'll see it, but he won't be able to catch it. Yeah. <laughs> he'll like, see it because if it's made of gold. Then <laughs> he can see everything's made of gold. Imagine if the snitch was any other colour. <laughs> Harry wouldn't be a seeker, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, Thayer. <laughs> he wouldn't want to be a seeker. What's he doing chasing after fucking pennies or whatever? No, it's all about the gold, that boy. Yeah. <laughs> Potter spotted some money on the ground. <laughs> 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 yeah, oh, I think that's not really a thing at the professional level, but maybe I'm wrong because I don't really know much about sport. Hmm. I'm trying to think of an equivalent and all I can really think of is like race car driving. Is that a is there a better name for yeah, that sport? Formula race one. cars. <laughs> Formula 1. Formula 1, thank you. <laughs> I've got to assume at that level, like, the slightest change in the car is going to have a massive advantage on whether or not you win the race. Mm, Like, I'm sure the racer's skill is a big part of it, but, like, at a certain point, it's about the race car. The wrong girl. Yeah. like, I've watched a bit of Formula One, and by watch Formula One, I was surrounded by people who were watching Formula One. And I asked who the players were, and I looked up their names in Archive of Our Own and found fanfiction about Formula One, and read it out to the room, and everyone was displeased by that. Nobody liked that. I love being an anti-picnic girl. (laughs) Being in a room and being like, I'm not enjoying myself, so I'm going to make sure that nobody else is. I had a great time. Um, <laughs> oh, the vibes in here are not to my liking. So what if I turned them all rancid? <laughs> Love I that think, energy. I'm, I'm thinking more about ping pop. 
Right. So <laughs> okay, you're so sick of talking about Quidditch. <laughs> I'm just. I had another thought because we were talking about brooms. So like, do we know if apparitions are distinctly cultural thing? Because we know that like wands are cultural. We know that brooms are cultural. Like in other countries, they use magic carpets, right? Mm-hmm. So I wonder if apparitions are same, and maybe you can't take something like ping pong to the Olympics because there's maybe only a couple of countries that apparate. Do we have any evidence of that? Uh, absolutely no evidence, but I would say that that's true. I would say that apparating is more common in certain countries or more, like probably every witcher wizard on the earth has the capacity to apparate, if not the ability. I'm sure there are some people Mm. who just never get the hang of it, but I'm betting there are some countries where apparating is like an everyday common skill. And there are some countries where it's like, this is the thing that we do. Like when we need to go for a long haul trip, we don't use apparating to get around town. Yeah, because it's a ubiquitous skill. It's not like you have to have a fireplace. Mm. It says you need a wand, but really you just need something to focus your magic on. Like, you don't yeah. need a wand. If you don't, um, if you come from a country or a place that doesn't use wands because those yeah. places exist, then you wouldn't need a wand to apparate. Yeah, you would use whatever else you have or whatever other skill you have. Yeah. So, I think it is possible to be kind of a universal sport. I'm just, I'm just talking here. Like, I'm just thinking. Yeah. Well, like, just like how it's possible to be a professional ice skater from a country that isn't covered in ice all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but never big leagues. Like, Australia's not going to the Winter Olympics in figure skating, ever. Aren't we? <laughs> oh, no. Fucking never. We never get there. Okay, but <laughs> but we do have, like, professional skaters. Yeah, but they never get to the Olympics. Yeah, well, there was that guy who won the gold at the Olympics because everybody fell over. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Not not figure skating, though. That was a different sport. But, yeah, that's like yeah. fast skating. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> Quick like skating. skating. Something like that. Yeah, but he won, and that was an ice skating thing. So, like, we do have professional Olympic-level ice skaters in Australia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How wild. So, like, it's not... Even if you come from a country where apparating is just not a thing, like, you could still be a professional ping-pong player, but you would just have to dedicate your life to it because it's not something that you would pick up. You'd have to be like, I love the sport, love the game. <laughs> I'm also thinking ping-pong. Like, so apparating, you know, it's about focus. You don't want to lose focus and you don't want to splint yourself. I think mm-hmm. the less clothes you wear, the easier <laughs> it is to move your body through space without leaving things behind right because if you right. wear like bulky clothes or flowy clothes mm-hmm. you might get distracted so i'm thinking like skin tight clothing to make it easier to slip through those little spaces and like a morph you know, suit or something or a wetsuit maybe. maybe i was thinking like hot pants and crop top yeah that's another vibe or maybe shirtless <laughs> something a bit slippery you know a little bit lubricated as well so more... wet <laughs> something wet <laughs> but you want to have high grip gloves and shoes because of the constant spinning you have to do to jump through yes, space and to keep true. a good solid grip on the paddle you need really good shoes that uh-huh. don't overspin you but give you enough grip that's true i'm also um, for some reason imagining like goggles <laughs> yeah. goggles yeah that's yeah. true because if you're going too fast and if you're moving, like, you know, you can get your eyes irritated and stuff like that. If <laughs> you're going you too your... fast, you can get your eyes irritated. <laughs> you want your hair out of your face. Yeah. So they probably encourage you to, like, push your hair back with a headband or something or wear a head covering. <laughs> Interesting. The possibilities. Oh, uh, <laughs> please, fan artist, please draw <laughs> the ping pop uniform. I also think, like, 
maybe I'm making it too easy. Maybe it's not that hard to apparate and hit a ball. Maybe yeah. I've got to, like, add more stakes to this. Well, that's Maybe, what I'm like, thinking of. Because Quidditch yeah. has, like, bludgers and a golden snitch. Like, a regular mm. ping pong ball. Mm. That's true. Maybe, like, you know, you have to... After you've hit the ball, say, let's give him five hits, you have to increase your speed, right? <laughs> and then you have to have that speed um, increase again after another... 10 hits of the ball, right? So you've got to get faster and faster and gradually increase your speed until you're going impossibly fast. What do you mean by um, increase your speed? So increase the speed at which you hit the ball so that you have to apparate to the other side of the table quicker to hit the ball back again quickly. Okay, you know I mean? right. The yeah. force with which you hit the ball, which means the ball goes faster, which means you have to go faster. All right, yes. sure. So you have to hit the ball more forcefully, but you also have to be careful that you don't hit the ball too forcefully, otherwise it'll like go out of bounds or like ricochet or something like that. Well, what um, I'm thinking of, what if the ping pop ball is a, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> what if the ping pop ball is a bit like a bludger where it's oh. fucking furious and like it wants oh. to hit you and it just gets more and more aggressive as the game goes on. Like you're fighting right. the ball. Okay. I kind of I get that, but I also don't want it to be like as soon as you apparate, I want you to be able to strategically think about where you have to apparate at the other end of the table, like right. what is the best position. If the ball's angry, it's going to come for you. It's mm-hmm. going to like predict where you're going to be and it'll make it easier for you to hit it. So I don't want it to get easier. I want it to be harder for, the, for you to be like, oh, I've hit this at a certain angle. I need to know I have to apparate exactly there to get it back so that I don't hit it out of bounds and stuff like that. It's crazy to me that I said, what if the ping pong ball was more, ping pop ball was more like a bludger and you said that would make it too easy. <laughs> it was, it would, because it tracks you. <laughs> you yeah. You can't have it tracking, you've got to make it kind of random well, and hard to... I don't think yeah. the ball's that smart because you're disapparating and like you're teleporting constantly, so I don't think it can track you. I mean, if it, if it was like a bludger, it would. If you'd have to make it more like a snitch where it just moves at random. Yes. Yeah, so, well, something like a snitch, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, where there's it's an element of you... randomness to the ball. Oh, like a magical thing where it moves on its own. Right. So you hit the ball, it's going towards the right-hand side of the table. You mm-hmm. operate to the opposite end, to the right-hand side where you think the ball's going to be. But uh, it, while it's moving, it's actually randomly switched, so it's going to the other side. And you have to quickly adapt and... Yeah. What I'm thinking yeah. of is I have, like, a rubber band ball. Sure of just a ball that I've made of rubber bands. Everyone's, I'm sure, familiar with this concept. Every time I bounce this ball, there is absolutely no way to predict where it's going to (laughs) go because the surface is not smooth and even. It's ridged and covered in elastic of different elasticity levels, I guess. I used to have a rubber egg like that. It was good. Yeah, that was good. I liked that (laughs) egg. We got those together in England, but mine has been lost to time. Yeah. Yeah, I miss my egg. Um... (laughs) So this, I am Rhea and I miss my egg. Yeah, my souvenir egg from England. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so like a rubber band ball where throwing it and hitting a surface, like you know it's going to bounce, but you can't predict with 100% accuracy exactly in which direction it will bounce. Mm-hmm. Something like that, but magically induced, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I think we can do that. And I think also to increase difficulty, like once they've been going for a while, so maybe once we've reached the one hour mark, right? Mm-hmm. 
we start to slowly turn the table. Like the table is turning <laughs> while they're playing. So they have to adapt even more. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I like I know I could go insane and be like, oh yeah, the ball catches fire. Yeah, or, I was you know, literally about to be like, the, what if the table just catches fire eventually? <laughs> or the, the ball turns into a piranha and bites their hand off. Like I could uh-huh. do something insane. But I want to keep it grounded enough for everyone to enjoy, but also chaotic enough that, like, you can watch a match that goes for 10 minutes and be like, wow, that was great. But you can also watch a match that goes for, tw- like, two hours and be like, that was an- a journey. Like, I feel like I've watched a quest. Like, you know? <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Quidditch again. <laughs> Not uh... ping pong. <laughs> all right. I just okay. think ping pong's better, but okay. I disagree. First of all, it doesn't have bludgers. Bludgers are great. I love that there's just cannonballs like literal cannonballs they're made of iron that just yeah. fly around and they're furious <laughs> and they want to hurt the players surely every time a bludger hits you it's instant broken bones oh yeah there's broken no bones. way you cop one of those without broken bones you can't they, they put 11 year olds up there yeah <laughs> like i know wizards are tougher but god anyway <laughs> just had to do a side note on bludgers let's talk about the big problem and i think you brought it up right at the beginning of the episode like balance and point allocation mm. So if yeah. every score with the Quaffle is worth 10 points and catching the Stitch is worth 150 points, then it effectively means that whichever team catches the Stitch will win unless the other team is 16 points ahead. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the biggest problem that people have with Quidditch as a concept. Like yeah. every single time there's any sort of criticism of Quidditch, it it's runs along the line of, having the seeker and the snitch makes the chaser and the keepers completely obsolete. So you should just get rid of them or it's too many points. It should only be worth 50 points or 30 points or whatever. Sure. Yeah, I disagree with that. Yeah. <laughs> that I disagree sucks. As well. It doesn't make it as exciting. And also the chasers and keeper are important if you're playing in a league. Yes, exactly. So... Where every point matters because it matters yeah. beyond the individual game. And also it's like not easy to catch the snitch. No, like, it's really hard. That's the point. It's really hard. They have to find a specific kind of person, someone who's very light, very quick, and mm-hmm. has very good eyesight. Mm-hmm. I don't know why Harry's a seeker, but he is. Yeah. So- <laughs> it's because his gold seeking yeah. <laughs> overrides his glasses. It's true. He's got a gold rush mentality. <laughs> um, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it's not an easy thing. It's not like you can catch the, the, the snitch in the first 10 minutes of the game easy done yeah this is why games can go for months because it's hard to catch the snitch yeah it creates stakes it creates a sense of like excitement and drama Mm -hmm. um and it also i think it it adds an element to the keepers and the bludgers Mm. not the keepers and the bludgers sorry the keepers and the chasers and the beaters because if there was no snitch and no seeker then it's just a matter of, you know, score as many points as you can before the clock runs out and also there's cannonballs flying around that you have to dodge. Yeah. That, I think, is very exciting on its own. Yeah. <laughs> I think that does make a good game. And, like, a lot of people make the argument that that's all the game should be. Hmm. But I don't know. Like, Those people more, are boring. That's yeah, just more chaos, better. That's just footy slash basketball. You know, exactly. This is, this You're just combining sport. dodgeball and soccer. Like, who gives a shit? We already is, have those yeah. games. This is wizard sport. Like, you know, give them something silly that they have to catch in midair and that gives you 6,000 points. Why not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love the pressure of this game could end at any moment. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, it's just like life. <laughs> <laughs> it's so high stakes. Literally, this game could go for three minutes or it could go for three weeks and mm-hmm. there's no way to tell. Yeah. 
The Seeker is also an incredibly, it's like a high risk, high reward thing. Because surely it's so easy to just smack the opposing Seeker with a bludger. But, like, if you do that, then they're, like, maybe out of the game forever. Maybe they come straight back as soon as they've had their broken bones healed. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's a massive element of strategy on the part of the Seeker as well, because you effectively decide when the game ends. So you've got to keep a constant eye on what's going on with your team and the opposing team. Keep track of what's going on. Keep a really close eye on the other Seeker and make sure they never go for the snitch when your team's in a position to lose. Mm -hmm. And also, like, you've got to find and catch the snitch, which could take days. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's good. I I think it's great. Uh, and also, like, from a meta-textual point of view, let's just make this meta-argument really quickly, because I think it's important. Yeah. The function of the Snitch and the Seeker means that JK, as the writer, can focus on whatever's most interesting. (laughs) (laughs) It means that Harry plays this vitally important and exciting role in the game, but it also isolates him from the majority of the action. So Harry can either spend his time spectating on what's going on with the other players or off doing his own thing in his own 1v1 battle with the other <laughs> Seeker and, like, only getting the occasional snatches of commentary, depending on what's most interesting for the reader at any time. So there's a ton of flexibility for how you can write the game. Yeah, definitely. That's great. So, yeah. The whole 150 points thing, like, it's so... It's unbalanced. Obviously, it's unbalanced. But I don't give a yeah. shit about balance. <laughs> Who cares? It's interesting. It's fun. <laughs> it's also based off some like weird historical moment, and I think that's accurate. That's the sort yeah. of thing that would like persist in wizarding society. <laughs> I'm yeah. I've got the story of that. I won't read the entire thing, but basically, like way back in the 1200s, somebody mm-hmm. showed up to a game with a golden snidget, and as the players were about to start playing Quidditch, he was like, or the ancestor of Quidditch, he was like, here's this little golden bird, I've released it into the stadium, whoever catches it gets 150 galleons, and everyone's yeah. like, fuck the game, I'm gonna catch this bird. Yeah. <laughs> and then they just sort of kept doing that forever, that it turned into 150 points instead of 150 galleons. So that's why. And yeah. I love it. I love that something stupid and illogical happened one time, but it was fun, so they just kept doing it forever. Yeah, Even though it screws the game completely. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Wizards, like... <laughs> Wizards don't go by the rule of cool. They go by the rule of nonsense. If something doesn't make sense, <laughs> great. That's the way we do it. Perfect. Maybe, like, maybe ping pop makes too much sense. Maybe, maybe I better make it more <laughs> nonsensical. <laughs> yeah, like, I think what makes ping pop... <laughs> what would make ping pop like a great wizard sport if... So there's the two ends of the table they have to apparate to. Like, on one end of the table, there's somebody with a two-by-four, and occasionally they just take a <laughs> swing at the guy. They have to dodge the, the two-by-four swing while also hitting yeah. the ball. Yeah, and, good. like, you never know when it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fucking wizard sport. And also there's, like, a horse loose in the stadium. <laughs> and also, if you're playing for too long and people are getting bored, Someone's just going to hit you with, like, a fucking jelly legs, Jinx. So yeah, they can just it. curse you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> but maybe you also... Okay, maybe the crowd is allowed to curse you if they get bored, but you have somebody on your team who's allowed to curse the crowd and defend you. Oh. <laughs> they can't defend you from the 2 by 4 but they can defend you from curses. Yeah. 
One of the 7,000 fouls is you cannot cast a curse in the 2x4. <laughs> Honestly, the introduction of the 2x4, I'm like, Ping Pop's the perfect game. <laughs> yeah, no, it really does. It's the cherry on top. Yeah, I think, I think well, yeah, the Ping the ping Pop with the 2x4 and maybe the revolving table after the one hour mark. That's good. That's, that's it. <laughs> We've done it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I have, I guess, like a final argument to make about Quidditch. Do you have any more points that you want to make? No, I ran out of things. Okay, cool. So I guess throughout my research, I was like, yeah, Quidditch is unbalanced. It's unbalanced. It doesn't make sense. It's stupid. Whatever. Like it's, I just like it because it's fun and interesting. But I found like one Reddit post where uh, somebody made an argument that is actually a really well-balanced game. And this person obviously knows okay. more about sport than I do. So I thought it was worth going through their points. <laughs> Doesn't take much. <laughs> yeah, I know. I will uh, link to this in our notes. So Reddit user Frodor. So yeah, they argue that Quidditch is actually, while far from perfect, a really decently balanced game. Because it's actually broken into two, two games, really. There's the Quaffle game, which is about scoring with a Quaffle. And then there's the Snitch game, which is about catching the Snitch. Mm-hmm. So the Quaffle game is all about keeping your team in the winning position within 150 points of your mm-hmm. enemy. And also trying to keep your enemy out of that winning position. So the Quaffle game is incredibly fast, back and forth. And while it seems like that 150 point leads yeah. will never happen, a really good offense or a really poor defense can make it happen really, really quickly. And also when you add in the element of the bludgers and players can get knocked out maybe forever. Mm-hmm. Like imagine a game where you knock out two of the opposing chasers and they can't get healed properly until you can call a long enough um long enough timeout. Mm-hmm. Which happens which can only happen after twelve hours or whatever. Like it's gonna be so easy to pull ahead by twenty points. Yeah. Anyway. And then the snitch game is really, really slow and happening almost entirely in the background. But every now and then it gets incredibly intense. This incredibly high stakes, fast thing happens where the seekers spot the snitch and suddenly go racing through the middle of the game. And it's like, oh, who cares about anything else? (laughs) Let's all focus in on this. That's so exciting. There's this finesse to playing seeker when your team's not in the winning position because you have to try... And make sure that your enemy doesn't catch the snitch, but you also can't catch it yourself. So you got to block them from doing it. Yeah. So what's really what makes the game really really interesting is trying to balance all of these different things. <laughs> and like basically, they yeah. say that makes it as a spectator sport so exciting and so fun because there's this quick back and forth with the chasers, the intense chases with the seekers, and the whole time everyone is dodging around these metal balls hurtling towards them and being directed by the beaters who can knock out players for strategic reasons. And the whole thing's played way up in the air. So, And they also talk about how the points matter outside of just the individual game and how leagues work. So I just thought that was a really, really great argument in defense of Quidditch, and it kind of swayed my opinion. Because before reading this, I was leading towards, well, it's unbalanced, and that makes it a bad game. But I'm like, actually, maybe if you're a bunch of little magic children, it is a much more well-balanced game. Also, I don't think a game needs to be well-balanced to be good. Mm. (laughs) I think what makes a game good is how much I, Jem, enjoy it. Yeah. (laughs) As with every argument we've ever made, the only thing that matters is my opinion, because I'm the one who's correct. (laughs) Well, 
That's mm. great. Do we have anything else we want to say about Quidditch? I ran out of arguments a long time ago. That's why I just started ranting on about ping pong. Now I think it'd be better sport. <laughs> um, I have other things. I had some stuff about real life Quidditch, but aside from... Quidditch. Yeah, aside from I've I've watched it played once and it seems boring as hell, and also they change all the rules to make it more balanced and fair, so who gives oh. a fuck? You're basically just playing a muggle game, but with more elements that make it stupid and you're running around with a broom between your legs. It's whatever. Ridiculous. Cringe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only other thing is I had points for, like, whether the game is good or bad. <laughs> hmm. Well, I think it's good. <laughs> That's my opinion. Yeah. I think it's, I think points for why Quidditch is bad. Rich people have a huge advantage because a better broom mm. can win the game. Matches can last forever or be over in minutes. So it's really hard to plan your day around the game of Quidditch. Sure. No substitute players means that injuries and fatalities are just a terrible thing. There's the unbalanced scoring. And the fact that historically it almost made the golden snidget go extinct. So five points. Good points. Mm. A lot of those points are extraneous things, though. They're not, like, talking about yeah, the Yeah, I guess so. Itself. Yeah. Good points. The game is not segregated by gender. That's great. Yeah, that's great. It's so... There's no, like, women's Quidditch team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's not, like, a separate league for women and a separate league for men. Yeah. It's all just integrated, which is great. And I think that makes a lot of sense because you need completely different skills and body types for the different roles. That's also good. Yeah, you need like a light, speedy, fast person for the seeker and like a big, bulky uh, person for the beater, which is great. Mm. Perfect. Um, It's super exciting and fun to watch and play. The terrible unbalanced scoring system makes men furious. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> every single let's fix quidditch suggestion is along the lines of just get rid of all of the interesting and unique parts of quidditch until it's just a ball throwing scoring game and that's boring yeah until it's just yeah, boring old that sucks quidditch fucking rules yeah. <laughs> it's great <laughs> so even though i only had like four good points for quidditch and five bad points i've decided the good points are more important and quidditch is a good game <laughs> Yeah, Quidditch is a good game, and Ping Pop is a great game. (laughs) I think we can both agree. (laughs) Uh, Apparating back and forth, the ball moves erratically and randomly. At any moment, you can cop a two-by-four to the stomach or the back of the head, and the crowd hexes you if they get bored, but you have someone defending you (laughs) and casting hexes at the crowd. Your coach. Fuck yeah. (laughs) That's a game I would watch. I would not watch apparating from side to side to the table for more than five minutes at a time. But that yeah. the eventual ping pop, I'd watch that for hours. Yeah, it gets more intense as it goes on. I yeah, think that'd be good. Faster and spinning. Yeah, <laughs> great. <laughs> oh well, I've been Gem, and if I, I think if I was going to watch any Quidditch game, it'd be the fourteen seventy three one where all the fouls were committed. <laughs> That just seems right up my alley. (laughs) I've been Rhea, and the only real question I've ever had about Quidditch is what happens if the quaffle touches the ground? And we straight up didn't address that in this Quidditch episode. (laughs) I think... um, The game stops. The end. (laughs) No, I think there's just one less quaffle on the pitch. (laughs) There's there's only one quaffle. You just play without the quaffle from now on. There's only... There's two quaffles, right? No, there's only one quaffle. Oh, well, there you go. Can't use a quaffle anymore. Ow. Ow. <laughs> it lava. This is what happens when you decide to skip over Let's Talk About the Basics of Quidditch. 
don't need to know. Anyway, end of episode. <laughs> Bye, listeners. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you want to support us or get in touch, the links to our social media and Patreon are in the show notes. Please feel free to send us so many messages that we go mad and run away to a hut on a rock in the middle of the sea just to avoid them. You'll hear from us again in two weeks' time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 